Hello, hello. Welcome to the PTA Global Co-Founder Webinar Series. Uh, Dan Duran speaking here, and it's truly an honor uh, to have one of the PTA Global Co-Founders and a good friend and just a phenomenal coach, uh, Scott Hobson, uh, on the line with me and, and joining us. Uh, Scott, if you want to give him a quick shout out, then I'm going to do some quick housekeeping. Oh, yeah. Um, this is fantastic, guys. I mean, to, to be on this call, uh representing one of the greatest things i've ever done with my life let alone my career is an honor so i'm grateful to be here and i'm excited for the next half an hour together guys excellent excellent thanks scott so so for the listeners out there just a few things to be aware of uh you are currently muted um uh, at, just to make sure we don't have a lot of background noise or anything so you'll hear scott and i speaking uh, we're going to try to run about 20 25 minutes and then we'll have some q a if you look at your control panel you're going to see some boxes in there in your go to webinar control panel and one of them says questions so please type any questions or comments you have in there and i'll be monitoring that throughout the webinar and we'll make sure to address them as we're, we're closing out at the end there's also a downloads button in there so feel free to to take the downloads and when you click on that it's going to open a separate screen don't worry it's not kicking you out uh, please download those. We have some uh, information that's going to tie into what we're talking about today. And the last thing I just want to mention uh, is there's no exam for this webinar. Uh, often people, uh, you know, think this is a continuing education course. And in this case, it's simply a webinar, which will eventually also be a podcast. So there's no need to stress out about taking an exam for this. So with that, I want to thank you all very much for taking the time out of your busy days, regardless of whether you're in and out or out of a gym. Uh, I, we, we value your time. We thank you for being here. And uh, I'm gonna I kick things off here by asking Scott just, Scott just to kind of give a little bit more of a self-introduction and a little bit about your career journey, Scott, so we can get to know you better. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to make it brief. It's, it's interesting in my 25 years of, of coaching and educating globally, it's one of the hardest things for me to answer, ironically, because I think I've worn just about every hat in the industry as a one-on-one -on -one coach, as a group coach, as a strength conditioning coach, performance coach, technical sport coach, rugby soccer, etc., through to operating and building beautiful health clubs, athletic clubs, you know, recruiting, developing thousands of people globally and managing them, to representing some of the best educational companies in the business, from Exos to PTA Global to Brain Institute. And so on. So I guess the reality is, mate, that on any given day, uh, my hat changes based on which role I'm playing. But for me, it's always come down to the word coach. I, I, I first and foremost see myself as a coach, whether it is one on one or whether I'm in a boardroom with executive leadership or I'm on a muddy rugby pitch on a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Uh, I'm coaching. I'm, I'm hopefully empowering people to fulfill their potential one way or another. So my journey has been about 25 years. It's it started in a tiny little box of a you know gym stroke studio in London. And then it just kept rolling. And I would like to say it was all by design, but so much of it was by default, you know, <laughs> which probably sums up my life. Uh, you've got a script and it invariably gets changed on a day-to-day -day business. Um, so that's it. That's about as succinct as I can make it. I, I'm a coach. I'm an educator. I'm a consultant. But at the end of the day, I, I like to be in front of human beings in power and potential. I love it, Scott. And, you know, we 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 had your partner, uh, fellow co-founder Ian, 
on a webinar mm-hmm. last month, and and something he said that that resonated with me that you're you're echoing here is that uh, trainers train animals and coaches train people, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I absolutely love that. Thank you for that. Well, especially from him, he did start with horses, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he absolutely did start with horses. Now, Scott, you know, you mentioned that you've been in the industry for 25 plus years. And again, I've had the privilege to, to not only learn from you, but to work alongside you. And you certainly have, have been a part of the evolution and, and influence in the evolution of the fitness industry. So over those past 25 years, you know, uh, considering the, the folks that are out there listening to us right now and their scope, you know, and, and, and their experience may be fairly new to coaching or a lot of experience coaching. What have you seen over those last 25 years that are kind of some foundational qualities of a successful trainer that have not changed over the last 25 years? Yeah, that's a good question, mate. I mean, especially when you think back in the day, our entire industry simply stemmed from two two influences, which was traditional bodybuilding and traditional, you know, weightlifting, either Olympic lifting or powerlifting, but predominantly it was Olympic lifting. So our entire industry was born out of people that were looking for a specific outcome, bigger, stronger, lift, weight, uh, lift more weight or look a certain way. That was it. And so at the time, I don't even know that there were many professional trainers. There weren't when I got into it. It was really peer-to-peer training. If you think of it, there was a lot of peer-to-peer training. It was people who'd already achieved that outcome and were passing it on to others. So I think the biggest change we've seen in that 20, 25 years is a real move towards the science of movement, training, and professionalism that simply wasn't there. Doesn't mean it was wrong or right, just means it was incomplete. So I think something that hasn't changed today for me is if you want to be great in this industry, like truly thrive, not just survive, I think you need a couple of things. And and one of them is a a burning desire to be great. You have to have a burning desire to be great because the ones that don't have that don't last. 82% of trainers leave every year. It's a diabolical statistic that's not actually getting better. And so I think that's grounded in really wanting to make a difference. I think the first thing that comes to mind when I think of the great coaches in my life or the great moments I've had coaching others or when I observe it in others, is an absolute burning desire to be great. I think if your desire is to be okay, you're probably in the wrong industry. That's the first thing that comes to mind. And then I think the second thing that comes to mind is you have to, it's a really delicate dance between results-based, because you've got to have that. We, we might have time to talk about that. I certainly would love that. It's something we have got away from, being results-driven, with, the client experience like how do you balance what they need with what they want i think it's one of the hardest skill sets that we got to have and it hasn't changed because your question is what hasn't changed i think the great ones then and the great ones now know that yeah there's science there's methodology there's guiding principles but then there's a human being and if i don't give them enough of the experience they need then they ain't coming back and if they ain't coming back there are no results so i think they're the biggest two things on what hasn't changed um, but I do think there's an awful lot of things that have. Uh, brilliant. So, so summarizing for those folks out there, number one, in your opinion, is a desire, a burning desire to be great. Um, and I, I think I've heard that called uh, uh, the Pygmalion effect or the self-fulfilling prophecy. Whatever you envision and whatever you see yourself as and becoming is what you will 
become. And I absolutely love that. And then the second being the, the delicate balance or dance, as you called it, between results and experience. So giving them uh, you know, what they want, what they ask for, uh, balanced with what they need, which I'm going to actually, I'm going to tee up that question in just a minute because it's one of my favorite quotes. And I'm going to come back to that. One of my favorite Hoppo quotes. Yeah. So now, now, thank you for that. Considering what hasn't changed, and, and of course, we've seen a lot of change over the last couple of months with COVID and so forth, which has kind of thrown a curveball out there. What do you see, Scott, as the traits or the characteristics or the future of what makes a successful fitness professional moving forward? Anything outside of those two? Yeah, I think the first thing you've got to have is a, a really good growth mindset that's grounded in relentless curiosity. Uh, if, if you think doing your certification, your degree, your specialization, there are infinite courses you can take, uh, and then you, you think you're done, then I, I don't see a long career path for you. You've got to have that real growth mindset, the willingness to try and fail. But more than that, I think uh, there's a lot of work now around the idea of diversity of your thinking. You know, we have demographic diversity, that's obvious. But what about our thinking? Do we have diversity of thinking and what we call our collective intelligence? I think our industry is a very good example of information bubbles and echo chambers, meaning an information bubble is when you actually don't even get access to opposite or conflicting opinions. Your world is set up, especially with the internet, the way it works, that when you type something in, you could type in any word you want, it's already pre-screened your habits, your behaviors, and the information it gives you is kind of already biased. That's what an information bubble is. It's really hard to get diverse thinking when you're stuck in a bubble. The flip side is you've got the echo chamber, which is you get access, but it's information that you instinctively don't trust because it's coming from, it's coming from a biased opinion in the first place that justifies what you think. So in my mind, a growth mindset is critical for the future of our professionals because there's so much we progressed in 25 years, for example, what we know about human movement today is exponentially greater than anything we knew 20 years ago. It's unbelievable the systems of human function that we now understand. The problem is we've made it more bloody complicated than it ever was. It's a problem. And so to that point, an example is spending so much time on what we perceive as the correct way to perform a movement when the person we're serving has like no interest, like zero interest. And so, are we willing to change our mindset around something as fundamental as what is functional movement? And if we're stuck in dogmas from our last certification or what the latest guru says, then that's not really a growth mindset. That's very fixed thinking. I don't know if that was too esoteric and out there, but that's the first thing that came to mind. No, I love it. I love it. So to, to summarize for the listeners, two key points, a growth mindset, in other words, a, a desire to learn more and be willing to fail in a diversity of thinking. So not getting caught in a bubble or an echo chamber, but, but you know, having an open mind and, and, and no, well, it, it, I believe it was uh, one of you and I can't remember which might have been you, Scott, that said, you know, the minute that, that you think you know everything, um, that's, that's when it's time to change careers. So absolutely love it. Now, what I this is what I've been excited about asking you about, Scott. And this is, you know, you wear a lot of hats. You have a ton of experience. 
but what you know you have really set yourself apart with in our industry is what you call the art of coaching. And I'm wondering if you can if you can give our listeners a little bit of what that means to you and what that looks like. Mm. Yeah. It's fascinating, right? It's it's the journey that keeps me up at night and wakes me up in the morning and that desire to to be great is this. It's for me the the way that we define it at Pivotal, the way I've actually defined it for a very long time now is a coach. It comes from the 14th century, as in the stagecoach. And by definition, it is a vehicle of transportation that carries people from where they are to where they want to be. That is literally the definition of a stagecoach, a vehicle of transportation, carrying people from where they are to where they want to be. I would add to that from who they are to who they want to become. The reason I call myself a coach is because that is like the best job description I've ever found anywhere. It's not trainer, it's not instructor, it's not dot, dot, dot. I mean, a coach is a vehicle. And our job is to help people to create environments for people to transform their lives, right? So I think when you look at it that way, you say, man, what would the most important ingredients be that we have to master? Because if you take the analogy or comparison of, say, a head chef, yeah, you could cook one thing. I only cook Indian food or I only cook Italian food. or But the best restaurants in the world, that head chef says, no, I cook whatever my clients want. Whatever my customers want, I'm going to change my menu. In other words, they, there are fundamental ingredients that every chef has to master, but so you can create any recipe you want. And so as a great coach, number one, you've got to be a GPS. How are you going to create on demand the minute that human being walks in and your entire periodized program just changed? What ingredients do you have to change the recipe? Now, PTEG, we, we create some incredible ingredients. And a lot of the other companies I represent and have worked for, incredible ingredients. It's your job as a coach to say, what are the handful of guiding principles, ingredients that allow me to create on demand? And right at the top of my brain, I always go to movement quality. You've got to be able to define that for yourself and know that you're seeing it. Because if you're not seeing it, don't load it. Number two, okay, we're obsessed around movement, but what about energy systems? You know my passion for that. And in the last few years, it's gone to a whole new level. If I have a dead battery in my Mac, it doesn't matter that my software is great and my, you know, my hardware is great. If I've got a dead battery, it's all over. I've become more passionate about that metabolic engine than ever. And then also, do you have the ability to communicate? Because the art of communication, you know, Bobby Capuccio really opened all of our eyes to this and really gave us some empowering tools. It's not about agreement. You know, the, the greatest pain I have in any relationship is misunderstanding. I don't think there's anything more painful than when people misunderstand. Our job is not to create agreement, it's to create understanding. Do you have the skills from motivational interviewing to empathetic listening to external cueing? We know unequivocally, 30 years of research show that if you're doing internal cues, you're actually screwing up the phone call between nervous system and myofascial system. There might be a time and place for internal cueing, but really external visualized cues are a game changer. So just there, do you know what movement quality is? Can you see it, observe it, and coach it? What about that metabolic engine that keeps everyone alive? 
what, what are you doing about that? And how do you coach people to upgrade behavior as well as movement? Now, there's many other rocks, but if I had to pick three, I would probably go with those because after 25 years, if one of those are missing, it's probably a pretty crappy program for me. Now, on that topic, and, and I love this, and in fact, the definition of coach, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to quote you on that, and, and I'm going to give you full credit, but I absolutely love that. On that topic, you know, we all learn from somebody, and then we, we you know, add our own ingredients. Who would you say, uh, or what would you say has been the biggest influence for you to, to really take this and evolve it into something that you call your own in the art of coaching? Mm. Hmm. Well, two things pop up. One, uh, I have been fortunate to surround myself with, you know, the, the conditions that I want to manifest. In other words, I have sought out actively the people that I believe have been the, the guiding force in this industry or the experts in their field, from the Gary Grays to the Mark Stegans to the Paul Checks to the Bobby Capuccios and the P-Tech founders. I mean, I'm literally spent hundreds of thousands of dollars traveling the world to spend time in a room with them before I ever got to know them or work with them. So I, I think that was one of my driving forces was to surround myself with greatness. Just seemed obvious to me that if I want to be great, I should probably be around people who seem to have achieved it. And that takes time and tons of money and tons of sacrifice. So that's step one is because if you don't have that passion and relentless curiosity, you're not going to do that. Um, for some reason, I always had that one thing, which was if I got to travel the world to find somebody who can answer this one question, I'm willing to give up my time and money to do it. And then I think the other thing, quite honestly, the driving force is earlier in my life when life wasn't good. It was quite, quite ugly at times, most of the time, actually, um, due to things that happened to me or things that I did both. Being coached, playing sport. It, it saved my life. It really kept me out of the ground and it kept me out of jail, you know? And so after many years of realizing who I was not and doing jobs that I hated, working with people I didn't like, <laughs> uh, I hit enough bottoms to say, what do I actually want to do with my life? And it was, it was just like a wake up. It was at the time I wanted to work in a school as a physical education teacher, um, as well as the rugby teacher, the rugby coach. And so I went back to school at 24, 25 years of age to try and manifest that dream, which is a problem when you get kicked out of school at 15 because I realized I couldn't go to college until I went back to high school. Another story, though. And so I, I always knew that movement and coaching were the only sane things that had always been there. The red thread through my journey so far was somehow movement, teammates, coaches, sport. And I thought that's it. I don't know what money I'm going to make. I don't even know what the career choices will be, but I need to work out how to do that. And that's exactly what happened. I went back to university. I started getting my credentials as a personal trainer and strength coach. And then, like I said, the rest was by default, not design. Wow. I appreciate you for being uh, being so personal and passionate on that, Scott. It's a great story. Um, very, uh, very personal. And, you know, there's in my time um, in this industry, one thing that I've, I've seen so much of and heard so much, myself included, is how coaching great coaches exercise literally saves lives. 
And, you know, I think there's, I don't know what the, the right word is, but when we say as coaches, you know, we have the ability to, like you said, be a GPS um, to, to provide that, that safe environment and support and guidance so that somebody else does the work to help save their own life. And what do you mean save their own life? But we do, and we have. And we do. It, yeah. And it, it, that seems to be a very common theme about around those passionate. Would you would you agree? Yeah, I do. And I think it's one of the biggest shifts going back to one of your first questions that has changed is our industry today. The professionals in our industry are now coming far more from fitness enthusiasts who had their own life changed than people who consciously said, I want to go to school to become a movement professional. Like the, the people entering yoga, Pilates, personal training, group X, etc are not coming from an academic background or a purpose-driven career. They personally had their lives transformed by either being coached or movement or whatever. And they said, that's now what I want to do. I want to give back what was given to me. That is what the fitness enthusiast is. The flip side is, the good side is now we're getting people in the industry that have a passion and purpose. But I think we've lost a lot of the professional standards that were around late 90s through to early 2000s. I think, I think we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater a little bit. Very well said, Scott, thank you. You know, I mentioned this earlier, there was something I definitely wanted to, to have you speak to. And for those of you who have been through our educational courses and had the, the opportunity to watch Scott present, uh, not only does he have a really cool accent, if you're from the US, um, but he has a lot of phrases or buzzwords or, or you know, uh, catchy things that he says, lots of them. And one of my absolute favorites that, that I use to this day, um, full credit to Scott, is give them what they ask for and sneak in what they need. Keep the smarts under the table. Yeah. And, that's the I love that, Scott. Can you expand on that a little bit for the listeners? Yeah, it actually was like a layer under my first one at PTAG, which is I, I said, guys, we, we have to make the complex simple. I think that was probably the very first thing I ever said to the co-founders was, if, if you want me on the bus, we, we have to make the complex simple. And they said, well, how do we do it? And I said, by keeping the smarts under the table. Uh, I uh, Very often, the, the most brilliant brains in our industry, they know so much, but between them sending the message and someone receiving the message, it gets lost in translation. Um, for example, you know, working with Gary Gray for so long now and being his educational director, recreating his courses, I have to say to him, Gary, you're like Einstein. The problem is you're teaching algebra to kindergarten. We're not ready for it, mate. <laughs> so we've got to make the complex simple. It's the same as a coach. You better understand movement quality better than anyone. Mobility, stability, dynamic neuromuscular stabilization, tissue health. Wow, the list goes on. You better know strength, power. You better know speed, strength versus strength, speed. You better know all the subcategories from hypertrophy to max strength to relative strength to endurance. You better know what, and it goes on and on. It's so much you better know, but your client really doesn't care. So how are you going to communicate to them the, the brilliance that you have to share in a way that makes them feel like they've come up with the answer themselves? Keep your smarts under the table. If no one's actually asking you a question, why are you giving them an answer? Just you have to become masterful at guiding them to the next right thing. What is the one next right thing to do? Example, I'm trying to teach someone to squat. 
No, it's not a squat. It's a sit and reach. Thank you, Ian O'Dwyer. Just sit down and reach. What do you mean? You're sitting in a chair and you're reaching for that newspaper. Sit and reach. And you notice that the squat looks like a nightmare. Are you going to tell them, extend your spine, keep your eyes parallel to the floor, draw in Kegel, squeeze your glutes? What? What? I mean, no sense to anyone other than us. What you've got to be able to do is give them an external cue, like, when you sit down, I'd like to keep your weight over your shoelaces. What you've got to do is when you stand up, push the ground away. What you can do is say, you know what? It's cold outside. Zip up. That gives you thoracic extension. But in your brain, you know that zipping up equals thoracic extension. You know that keeping your weight over your shoelaces means that your weight is evenly distributed. You know that when you push the ground away, you extend your hip. Don't tell them the smarts. Just keep it under the table. But should someone say, but why am I doing that? you pull your smarts out once in a while and say, because I noticed your hip was looking a little gunky and I'm pretty sure that's causing your back pain. But when you pushed the ground away, your hip did its job, your back didn't hurt. Didn't need to tell them that unless they asked. Keep your smarts under the table. Oh, I love it, I love it. That for the listeners out there, just wanna remind you, if you have questions for Scott, this is a great opportunity. I type them in your question panel and then we'll we'll uh, you know go first come first serve and try to knock them out here at the end. We're we're just getting ready to wrap things up. Now, Scott, you you talked about a couple of things here. Uh, one being movement quality, and the other one being the art of coaching. Now, you have founded uh, Pivotal, and I'm wondering if you could tell us just a little bit about Pivotal and 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 kind of expand on those keys that you you talked about and how they might be able to learn more from you there yeah thanks mate we pivotal is a, a global development company and we empower people to fill their greatest potential and we upgrade as many lives as possible through coaching educating and consulting that's it that's what we do and so we have many different online and live experiences as well as the products that we power for our partners, Exos, Grand Institute, PowerPlate, Precore, the list is pretty long. So we can teach all of that stuff, but we also teach our own stuff. And that stuff is truly the, the alchemy of everything we've learned. It's our local to global perspective, meaning global, yeah, we've, we've got education in over 100 countries, uh, over 50 different accredited programs in our careers. But we've worked with so such a breadth of knowledge from the Tom Myers to the Mark Verstegans to et cetera, that that's a very global perspective on movement and programming and coaching. But then we can boil it down to local. OK, let's take movement quality. What are the key ingredients of movement quality? In our opinion, taking in all of that global perspective, because it can be really overwhelming, right? So in our mentorship, for example, our three day mentorship, we take you through how we assess movement. What is our local to global spectrum? Is that a hardware issue, a software issue? Is it a highway issue? And what do you do about it? Oops, sorry. Then we go into the art of coaching. What is coaching science? Communication. How do you create and deliver external cues? Uh, how do you create emotional connection to your clients? Then we'll go into programming. What are our key training system components for prepare, perform, recover? Prepare has everything from osteofascial, thanks to our brilliant brothers at Soma, Roddy and Ian. It has self-myofascial release, but it also has integrations and activations based on whether it's a 
uh, a hard issue, soft issue, or a neuro issue. So my point is, we, we give you this global perspective. Here's our philosophy. Here's our guiding principles. But more than that, we teach you how to create recipes using those key ingredients. Because the reality is, you're the head chef of your restaurant. And until the customer walks in, it would be very arrogant and ignorant of us to tell you what you should do for that back pain or hypertrophy or, or fill in the blank, really. So that's who Pivotal are. We've got quite a wide variety of different stuff we teach for ourselves as well as for our partners, but that's that's us in a nutshell. Oh, thank you very much for sharing, Scott. And for the listeners out there, again, in your downloads, you'll have more information on Pivotal. We put some uh, you know, one-page type informational sheets so that you can learn more and, and know how to contact Scott and his team. Uh, we'll also be sending out an email about an hour after this webinar that'll have more information, including a special offer uh, from Pivotal. Now, before we, we close things out, I want to definitely ask a couple of uh, questions here from our listeners. And first and foremost, I want to let you know, Scott Devine, you know Devine over in the uh, oh, Middle wow. East. She says, happy birthday, belated birthday. I think you and I share a birthday. Uh, but happy birthday, Scott. So well, there's- thank you, I miss yeah. your smile, <laughs> uh, And Isabella asks, uh, thank you, Isabella, for submitting a question. She asks, as an 18-year-old, what would you suggest to kickstart my career? What's something I should do to start my journey? And then she says, thank you. I really appreciate this talk. Mm. Okay. So the sound, I've got to give you a sound bite, right? Because in reality, I would want to ask you a few more probing questions to maybe give you a smarter answer. Because for me, the quality of the answers is always dependent on the quality of the questions. So I would have to ask a few more, but here's what I'd say. Number one, Follow your intuition and not your head. The body, neck down, doesn't lie. Neck up is full of them in my experience. You know in your gut what your burning desire is. And you know of someone or a group of people or an organization in the industry that seems to be demonstrating the thing that you would love to be able to do. Whether it's their spirit, their philosophy, whether it's how they coach, teach, whatever it is. I suggest you knock on their door quickly and loudly. There is absolutely nothing more powerful than taking action. So number one, if you know what that burning desire is, find the people that already are doing what you'd like to do, knock on the door and say, how do I do what you do? Number two, if you would like to maybe dig in a bit deeper, I'm pretty sure Dan's gonna give you my info. As a PTAG community member, I'm very available for a quick Skype call, webinar, email, convo. I'll ask you a few questions and I can maybe direct you a bit more specifically, if that's of any help. Perfect, thank you, Scott, very much. And uh, thank you again for the question. We've absolutely got to have mentors. We can't do it alone. So uh, as an example of that, if you feel that there's something I could help you with, reach out, I'll be sure to, to help you in every single way I can. Excellent. And yes, your your contact information will be sent. Everybody will receive that an hour after. So thank you for making that offer, Scott. Uh, let's see. Let me. Uh, There's kind of a, a longer one. Uh, Mud, Mud, uh, forgive me for the pronunciations here. Matsudan Sharma asks, says, I'm pursuing a cert, cert three and four from PTA but I'm a software engineer by profession, so not able to give it full time to study. I hardly get one to two hours a day in. It's my passion to be in fit, fitness industry um, down the line. 
my question is what would be the right way to study and make it make efficient use of this short time okay so if i understand you right i think the question is you have a time frame in which you would like to complete behavioral change and exercise exercise stress management i think and you're asking what would be the most efficient way to get that done is that correct yeah and it, it's going to be the certification part the course but same concept yes okay certification well i'm a big believer in uh how can i say this i i don't i no longer feel the whole you know uh try to improve your weaknesses is, is useful for me anymore. I think you should lean into your strength of everything you've got. So whatever feels like the easiest content to navigate, you nail it. I don't think it's very beneficial in my understanding of adult learning to spend too much time on stuff that doesn't make sense to you whatsoever. What does that mean? If you're opening up a module on movement and the movement modules uh, at PTAG are everything from fascial lines to functional anatomy to nervous system to whoa, whoa, let your eyes naturally go to the one that just feels like i think that's going to be good for me then when you go to the ones that don't make much sense i suggest you do what i do with books which is you kind of do a quick scan read don't try to memorize don't try to remember your scan read what jumped out throw it on the board what made sense jot it down and eventually what you've got by the third layer that is well this is the stuff that i either didn't want to look at didn't call me or i didn't understand Okay, now you need to reach out for some help to understand it. But what you've missed in the process of maybe going right to what you don't understand is how much you already did. So one of the things I've learned as an educator is to try and draw out of people what they already intuitively know. Unfortunately, what a lot of education systems do is focus down, drill deep on the stuff you don't know. That's not successful for the brain. So number one, follow your gut. The modules that just jump out, go do them. Number two, you know, when you go through the ones that were next on your list, what jumped out was like, huh, that makes sense. Jot it down because it means your brain already knew it. It already knew it. Then what just didn't have any feel good factor or didn't make sense. They're the things you're going to need to reach out for help on. But in my experience, if you spend too much time on that, you diminish your natural genius. Because when you take that exam, it's going to be spread across many domains. And more importantly, when you go coach someone, it's unlikely you're gonna to have to remember how many ATPs are in the Krebs cycle. Great, great advice. Thank you, Scott, and thank you very much for the question. I'm gonna I'm gonna field one more, uh, just to be respectful of time here. And uh, this is actually uh, ties into, oh, are you there? I'm here. Uh, it kind of ties in not only to uh, what we're calling the millennial generation which is a question that kurt had but a follow-up there that's that's very similar and that is uh what do you think of the the newer the the growing trend of virtual training do you believe it's something that's going to last or do you think it's more of a means to an end right now during this COVID time well there's what we know right there's what we don't know and then there's what we don't know we don't know uh, I, I have uh, a sense that the last one is where the magic's gonna happen, the stuff we don't even know we don't know. I think we're gonna see breakthroughs in movement, fitness, health, wellness that currently don't exist, and it's gonna come to light through people that aren't even in the industry. Um, I, I just think there's gonna be some crazy good stuff happening. Now, no one as yet has cracked virtual. I think that people are going, two things are gonna happen. It's an interesting paradox. I think trainers, instructors 
one-on-one -on -one and especially group have probably found that they've earned more money coaching online and it's more convenient. They're in their own home. And I wouldn't be surprised if many of them try to keep doing that when the industry reopens instead of going back to the businesses that gave them an opportunity and support them. I think a lot of people are going to be money driven and say, I could do this much in five hours at home and my day's done. Why would I take 10 hours at the club today to do that? The problem is, I think that the, the clients are going to have an absolute burning desire to be around other human beings because we're wired that way and be in an environment that's inspiring because their living room is not and have all the bells and whistles of a shower and a sauna and a cup of coffee or whatever it is. So I think people can go flooding back to tribal communities, whether it's in a studio, a big box, working out in a park, whatever it is. How long that takes, I don't know. So I think the trainers, currently it's a big trend out of necessity. I think some of them will continue to do it for the right reasons, but they should blend it with going back to what they were always doing because that is the common denominator. It's why I'm in coaching, it's why athletes do what they do, it's why kids play sport, well, roughly up until 12. We have like, you know, 75% of all kids under 12 are in registered sport. There's just an innate knowing, you know, our need to be around other people and connect and feel related is uh, as real as our desire for food and water. That's not gonna change anytime soon. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Good stuff, and hopefully that was was helpful. We we do have other questions, but being uh, respectful of time, and just so the listeners know out there, also this will be memorialized. We'll you'll be able to access it on our YouTube, as well as our uh, PTA Global page, and then in a podcast as well. So you know, I, I I'm gonna kind of tie things up here, Scott, and and remind the listeners that they will receive an email in an hour that will have uh, contact information, special offers. There's downloads there. If you haven't downloaded them, uh, please do that. I want to thank everybody for all of your time uh, spent here with us today. Definitely. Thank you, Scott. Always a pleasure to listen and learn from you. And uh, if, if, if you would do the honors of giving some, some final uh, advice to our listeners out there and closing us off, it, I would really appreciate it. Oh, you bet, mate. Thank you. For, first of all, thank you for having me. Time flew. I, I wish this was three hours long. P-TAG is very dear to me and it always will be. So thank you for that. And to anyone listening, number one, I really do believe it comes down to doing the one next right thing because life invariably, I don't know about you, but I have a script and I wake up the next day and by 10 a.m. it's changed. Life has a way of changing that. So number one, take action on the next one thing that's going to upgrade your life today or those around you. If that means reaching out to someone, reach out to them. And if that's me, because you want to ask the questions you didn't get to ask on this, I guarantee you I will answer them within 24 to 48 hours. If you want to get on a webinar to discuss dot, 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 that's possible. So number one, take action. Have the, the courage to say, I need help. Looks like you could do it. I'm going to ask whether it's me, whether it's someone in your environment, whether it's another peer in the industry, you just can't do it alone. And I know that's nothing to do with movement per se, but I have found the most successful people in any industry that I've worked with were the ones who had the willingness and readiness to say, I'm going to take action. I love it. Thank you very much, Scott. 
And uh, for the listeners out there, those are some very, very good words of wisdom. Thank you all very much, and we'll definitely do this again. Cheers, Dano. Cheers.